Hello, you're listening to the Ambition Podcast. I'm Ellen Buchan, Insights and Communications Executive at AMBA and BJ. Today on the podcast, I was joined by the entrepreneur behind the company Grant Tree, Paulina Tenner. Paulina tells me about how her company helps startups and other organisations, such as Monzo, secure government grants. Grant Tree is anything but an ordinary company, and Paulina speaks about how her employees are able to choose their own pay. Paulina also speaks about her role as an angel investor and some of the companies that she is particularly excited about currently. She also talks about her new book, Laid Bare, What the Business Leader Learned from the Stripper, which is about embracing your wild side in business and also connecting with your masculine and feminine side to be the best leader you can be. Here's that conversation. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Could we start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself and your career so far, please? Thank you so much, Ellen. It's a great pleasure to be on the show. So thanks for inviting me and hi to everyone listening. So I am Paulina Tenner. I wear a few hats. So firstly, I am an entrepreneur. My last business called Grant Tree is now 50 people strong, and we have raised over 200 million pounds worth of government grants for our clients in the tech startup and scale up space. I am also an angel investor, so I've made 12 investments to date. These days, I'm quite interested in Web3. I think it's a fascinating area that might kind of revolutionize how we approach, you know, value exchange and money. Um, So that's really something that interests me. And thirdly, I'm also an author. So my first book, Laid Bear, What the Business Leader Learned from the Stripper, is coming out at the end of January. Um, The provocative title, because I used to be a burlesque performer as a hobby. So I draw quite a few analogies between my performing persona and what I learned from being on stage and how I apply that uh, to business and to my career. There's so many things I'm so excited to ask you about from that, but um, let's start at the beginning. Um, so you're a founder of Grantree. Can you tell us more about this organization, how it kind of came about and um, what it does? Yeah, of course. So um I started it in 2010 with my then boyfriend and now husband. A lot of our friends thought it was a very bad idea to be in business together, but it actually worked quite well for us. Um, I, I wanted to start it because I saw that there was an interesting niche of help with funding and specifically equity free funding out there. So I was meeting a lot of founders that were obviously really funding starved and at the same time, not particularly willing to give up control or equity. And, you know, if they had of government grants, they were not really sure, you know, how to write a good application or couldn't find time to do it. So I thought that's an interesting market opportunity. Um, and yeah, we've worked with over 600 startups um, to date. You know, some of them are super successful, like Monzo, for example, uh, Go Cardless, uh, people like that. Um, and some are kind of smaller, earlier stage startups as well. And we work both with research and development tax credits, which um, is a very useful scheme that helps founders of tech businesses to reclaim up to 33% of their product development costs back as cash. 
and with grants, um, prospective grants, mostly from Innovate UK, where business founders can get up to 250K, it's sometimes more, worth of essentially free government money um, into their pro- businesses to fund particular innovative projects. I had no idea you worked with Monzo. That's so cool. I absolutely yeah. love Monzo. Yeah, they're amazing. So could you give me an example of a business that used Grantree that worked particularly well um, and got like really great results? Yeah, so I would probably give the example of Monzo because they have uh, been, you know, they're such an amazing well-known company and they were able to, I'm not able to actually mention the actual amount, but to reclaim quite a bit of money um, based on their R&D tax credit application. We were involved in an inquiry process as well that was raised because it was quite quite big sums that we were talking about and we were able to handle it quite well. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really happy with how my team stepped to the mark and what we've done there. Yeah, and there's been plenty, you know, in the space of green technologies, biotechnologies, for example, that we've worked with in the space of uh, grant funding specifically. And, and there's more every month. Um, so, um, yeah, plenty of interesting clients. If you'd like to see some of our clients or case studies, go to our website. That's grantree.co.uk. And I'd be really interested to know how the pandemic impacted the availability of government grants. Was that a challenge? Was there less of them? Was there more of them? Yeah, that's interesting. So there have been some grants that became available because of the pandemic. And obviously, businesses have been even more cautious of how they're using their funding and whether they can claim funding from sources they haven't sought funding from before. So in one way, it's been good for our business. In another way, things have slowed down a little as well. So people are more cautious around using external agencies. So I think we've seen some kind of positive and negative impact on our business because of COVID. So another thing that's quite unusual about the company is that it works with a self-set pay structure. Honest, I've never heard of that before. Um, So when I was on the website, I was really interested. So could you tell me more about what it means and how it works? Yes, of course. So it means that in my company, people actually are empowered to set their own salaries it took us quite a bit of evolution and development as a company to get to a stage where we were actually ready to implement that. But from the very start, we were quite an unusual company, culturally speaking. So my partner and I had an ambition to build a business that would be unlike businesses we've worked for in the past. And that would really respect people and really kind of empower them to make important decisions in the business. And that would treat people like adults, really, because a lot of businesses kind of treat adults people as if we as if they were in the kindergarten um which which is a shame because i think people can give so much more when they're truly empowered to manage their time resources and money within the company uh, and they kind of really show up to the full extent of their talent and capabilities so um the way it works is that we have um we ask people to have competed at least six months worth of monthly self-assessment. So they actually write out um, their own goals that they set for themselves and then they evaluate them. So they need to be able to put on a manager hat, really, uh, if possible, um, and uh, to 
look externally and objectively at how they're performing in their job. And there will always be a peer, somebody who helps with the assessment of their self-assessing and um, uh, will kind of give them a reality check, whether it's kind of looking like they've missed something or whether they've kind of over or underestimated what they've done. So once they've completed six months worth of those, so they've gained the good understanding of how well they're doing and how well they're progressing in their role, they are able to then firstly do a thorough market research. So speak to recruiters, even interview for competitors, which some of our people have done to find out how much they're worth on the job market and then to make a decision about changing their salary. And that is done, obviously, in cooperation with the budget holders within the department to make sure that the company is actually in a position to increase the salary. And again, needs to be done in cooperation with uh, one or two other people in the company who are, again, providing that reality check to make sure that the person is really kind of doing this realistically. But at the end of the day, it is their decision. And if they were to make a decision that uh, maybe impacts the business negatively or is assessed negatively by their colleagues, it's their their responsibility to deal with any conflicts arising out of it. So it's like, it's it's a really responsible decision uh, to be making. And we're asking people for a lot in our business, but we know that people are um, capable to do it and they can step up to this challenge. Is it quite a common thing to happen in organisations? Did you create it or is it something you took inspiration from? And pulling on from that, what is the reaction like from staff? Sure. So it's definitely not a common thing at all. We have been inspired by a Brazilian entrepreneur called Ricardo Semler. That's S-E-M-L-E-R. If you'd like to check out his TED Talk, fantastic TED Talk. So he uh, created a self-managing company in the 80s of the last century in Brazil and is now changing the educational system in Brazil, slowly but surely, to... um, incorporate self-managing kind of elements into it for students to manage their own budgets, set their own values. It's fascinating what he's doing. Um, His book called Maverick and then another one called The Seven Day Weekend um, has been really, really, they have been very, very important to us. And we thought if he could implement that in a company of thousands in Brazil in the 80s of the 20th century, we can probably do it in a small startup. And then we started studying the subject. So we read books like Reinventing Organizations by Frederick Laloux, um, Delivering Happiness by Tony Shai. We just understood that there are quite a lot of business founders out there who think differently and who are ready to create something new. And uh, we just decided to kind of follow the road less traveled, as it were. It sounds like you have quite a lot lot of -of out-of-the-box kind of ideas. And I was wondering what your biggest advice to any entrepreneurs starting their journey would be. I would say um, surround yourself by people who are more experienced, uh, maybe smarter. Um, I surround myself with people who are smarter than me. maybe you know they've achieved more than you people that you can really learn from and ideally those people can become your champions or even your advisors your mentors um because there's just so much you can learn from a supportive 
community of founders, the people who have been there and done it. So yeah, one of the most important things I think is to have a support network of people you can rely on and people you can learn from. So moving on, the next kind of topic I want to talk to you about is about being an angel investor. Something I've heard about, but I'm actually not sure exactly what it means. So I was wondering if you could explain a little bit more about what an angel investor is. Sure. So an angel investor is typically a wealthy or high net worth individual, quite often someone who who used to be an entrepreneur, but um, has accumulated enough wealth to be able to invest, who invests their own money uh, in startups, as opposed to, for example, a venture capitalist who invests somebody else's money into startups and much bigger amounts as well. So I invest uh, typically between 10 and 20K per startup. So small amounts. I would love to invest bigger amounts further on in the future. Um, And uh, it's just giving me a lot of satisfaction to be able to help founders, to kind of give back in that way, uh, to be there for them as well when they need me, to make introductions for them, to give them advice based on my experience. So it's not just about the money. It's about the relationship with the founder, most of all. So you're kind of acting like a mentor as well. Absolutely. It's just some of them. Yeah, some of them want to be closer involved and some of them are like not particularly needy, shall we say, or, you know, um, with some companies I'm a bit further removed. But um, yeah, they're, they're really interesting companies. I'm really kind of pleased with what I've done. What kind of companies do you kind of tend to go for um, when making investments? Sure. So it's typically B2B software as a service because that's the space that I know well. But having said that, I have invested in a hardware company recently. Um, So I mostly pay attention to the founding team and whether or not they are the kind of people that can execute and get things done. And ideally have some experience running businesses before. That's um, also important. Um, You know, I look for the market being interesting and big enough, the addressable market. Um, I look for disruptive solutions, ideally. Um, And I look for Yeah, the kinds of opportunities where there is a good like founder market fit. So I can see that the founders have really experienced the problem that they're solving directly, or at least they have worked in the market that they're they're going to approach uh, for quite a while. So they understand the dynamics within it. And I saw on your LinkedIn, you're writing about the investment market and equal opportunities in it. Um, Do you think that the investment market offers equal opportunities for women? Um, And if not, how could it improve? Yeah, so statistics show that right now, definitely not. So only something like 3% of uh, female-founded startups um, out of all startups that receive venture capital funding are female-founded startups. A bit more when it comes to angel finance, which is usually usually comes beforehand. Um, I think there are some promising trends. So there are some funds being set up like Ada Ventures, for example, who focus specifically on underrepresented founders, and that obviously includes female founders. Um, and there's kind of more starting to happen. More women are entering venture capital space as well and working within it. So that's interesting. So how could it improve? Yeah, so there is the question of unconscious bias. Uh, VCs have traditionally been typically white men who 
tended to invest in other white, probably slightly younger white men. So um, I think it's super important to be to be aware of that unconscious bias and to like battle it as much as you can and to like really make an effort to reach out to a variety of founders. Um, so um, I know that some some uh, VCs out there started introducing like female founder office hours, for example, which I think is great just to kind of specifically welcome or send the message out there that they specifically welcome female founders and underestimated founders. I think, yeah, I think it's also promising that there are more and more female founded startups out there. There are more and more successes in the space. So we've got the recent IPO of Bumble, for example, founded by a woman. Uh, we've got more and more women entering the space. And statistics prove that on average, female founded startups actually uh, help investors achieve higher ROI, which is um, astounding, you know, that women receive so little funding, even though they on average help help achieve higher ROIs. So um, I think it's just about kind of educating the space as well as, uh, yeah, putting pressure on some of the um, firms out there to reach out to be more inclusive, to seek out businesses that are started by women, by uh, people on the spectrum, people of color, etc., etc. It sounds like things are kind of going in the right way, which is awesome. Slowly, I think slowly, 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 slowly improving. So we could definitely do more in the space. I think female investors, female women who are investors, both in angel and VC space, should kind of shout more about what they're doing uh, because, you know, women female founders quite often tend to seek out other women to support them. So it's kind of important that we are more vocal about our work. Is that something that drew you to become an angel investor? Partially. When I first started, I just always wanted to be in a position to invest. And then most recently, when I realized how many um, female founders miss out on the investment, I make definitely more of an effort to speak to female founders. In fact, I'm, I'm talking to one that I saw during the Techstars demo day later today. So look forward to that. Let's see how it goes. So I couldn't let you go without asking you about your new book, which is called Laid Bear, What the Business Leader Learned from the Stripper. Can you tell me more about the book and maybe some of the main themes? Absolutely. With pleasure. So it's a really probably one of the most unusual business books you will ever read. It was born out of a really kind of interesting TEDx talk that I delivered back, back in 2014. So when my business was kind of starting out, it was maybe two or three years old, I kind of found myself spending most of the day in my head and just getting really tired of being kind of in the space of logic um, and kind of business transactions all day long. And I just really felt like I needed something to reclaim my wild side and my creativity. So I stumbled upon burlesque, which is kind of an artistic way of like uh, delivering a performance on stage, which usually kind of results with a, um, in a, in a stripping um, show um, where you kind of you know, reveal most of your body, you kind of typically stay in nipple pasties and G-string, so not everything. Uh, it's not like a stripper in lap dance um, bar. 
And um, I just found it fabulous and so feminine and it got me back into my body and it just really empowered me creatively. It helped my confidence. It's really amazing for me. Really, really, really enjoyed it. One of the greatest adventures of my life. And then I kind of enjoyed for a while. I enjoyed living a bit of a double life, being a professional on one hand, an entrepreneur in the finance space and the burlesque performer on the other hand, you know, at night. And um, at some point, I just felt like I really wanted to come out, as it were, with it all and just like reveal to the world that this is who I am. This is what I do. I'm, I'm proud of it. Not everybody might, li- might like it, but, you know, I love to show people that reclaiming your wild side can be actually really amazing uh, turn in life. So I did that TEDx talk and uh, then uh, because it kind of went down so well, I felt, why not write a book? Which I did. And in the book, I talk about, in the first part, organizations of the workplaces of the future. So I describe a lot of lessons that we've learned at Grantry uh, to do with holacracy, teal, self-set pay that we discussed, and other things. And in the second part, I talk about leadership of the future. So that's, you know, we all, regardless of whether we are uh, male or female or other genders, have a masculine and feminine part to our identity and leadership. And doing dancing burlesque helped me to reclaim my feminine part, which is more about intuition, surrender, playfulness, creativity. And... Um, Kind of that combined with the kind of logic and ambition and drive and decisiveness and competitiveness of my masculine part, like really um, helped me become a more powerful leader. So I talk about leadership of the future and how to become a more powerful leader through bringing together your masculine and feminine aspects. It sounds absolutely fascinating. Who's the book aimed at? The book is for definitely for small business owners, but also kind of change makers in bigger organizations. So people that are kind of thinking and looking forward and are interested in making some changes within their kind of uh, sphere of influence to do with culture and people that just want to work on themselves as well and create um, a new iteration of their persona and identity as a leader in 2022 so it's a perfect book to start your new year with that sounds amazing i wish you all the luck for the book launch um, and thank you so much for being on the podcast it's been so interesting amazing and just wanted to mention um I've got a a kind of special offer to startup founders since I love helping founders. If for any founder who pre-orders the book by January 31st, which is the launch of launch date of the paperback, um, um, the the link is paulinatenner.com slash book. So very, very easy to remember and emails me the screenshot. I'll include my email in the show notes. Um, I can, and I'm happy to give you 30 minutes of my time for a Zoom session to give you some feedback on your pitch in uh, in kind of ahead of probably raising money from angel investors or VCs. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much to Paulina for being on the podcast and giving such an interesting interview. If you'd like more about leadership, head to www.associationofmbas.com forward slash ambition. 
and make sure to listen out for the next Ambition podcast released every Wednesday.